Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. A reset of the prophetic movement is upon us. The second wave of prophets is rising in this hour. We stand at the edge of a new era in the prophetic. We're gathering the international prophetic community at the Global Prophetic Center, a hub for prophetic training, prophetic labs, summits, networks, and lighthouses. It's time for prophets to go deeper. It's time for seers to soar. It's time for prophetic voices to rise up and decree what says the Spirit of God with accuracy that causes the world to pay attention. The Global Prophetic Center offers proven prophetic systems and structures to equip you to walk worthy of your calling and to prophesy with precision, boldness, diplomacy, and wisdom. Get hands-on training and mentoring in a safe environment that breeds true prophetic community and learning. Receive impartation and activation. Sharpen your gift and avoid prophetic pitfalls. Get commissioned. Get networked. Get sent out with the word of the Lord in your mouth and the confidence to release it. Begin your journey today by applying at globalpropheticcenter.com. So if you want to know who you are, examine the five friends that are around you. If you want to know who you are, examine your associates and networks. Why? Because they are a mirror and they're here to teach you more about yourself. Number 18, your instructor that we are presenting right now, brothers and sisters, are the elders, your age, the age, wisdom. They teach you wisdom and perspective. The Bible says, in uh, Job 32 and 7 your days should speak and multitude of years should teach wisdom and so we're going to learn a whole lot about life and learning and how to look back we're going to begin to teach you about not only the eight stages of spiritual maturation but we're going to teach you about the four phases of life and you're going to grow in phases and then you're going to begin to understand why it is that your hard headed 15 year old and 16 year old and 17-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 19-year-old, and 20 and 21, 22, 23, and 24, and 25 are know-it-alls and why they take risk. And as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. We're going to begin to teach you what happens in your first year, in your second year, in your third year, in your fourth year, in your fifth year, in your sixth year, in your seventh year, and why it is after a while when you've been saved for about 13 or 14 and 15, while all of a sudden you become a rebel. You don't want to submit to anybody. You want to do your own thing because you're grown. But we're going to show you what happens at the, during those ages of spiritual growth. And many of you, I tell you, if you had this information raising your teenagers, you wouldn't have had the heartache. You wouldn't have been sitting up as long as you were. Are you with, as you set up, you wouldn't be banging your head. You've got to understand the world that they live in and how their brain is wired as in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. When you come to babes in Christ, it's 
different from instructing someone that has been saved 15 years or 20 years, but if they have not phased, gone through the phase, that means they're stuck in a phase. And this is why you see people after 20, 30, 40 years, they are stuck. And this is what Paul said, when you should be teachers, you have need that one teaches you again. You may be uh, uh, mature, but excuse me, you might be, uh, have been saved for a long time, but you don't have spiritual maturation. You're not mature in the things of the Lord. This is the ages. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, I only have a few more instructors to introduce you to. We have mistakes and trial and error that is up next. Mistakes. And mistakes teaches you how to be persistent, how to never give up. Mistakes is the tuition you pay for your future success. And the thing about it is, <clears throat> all the mistakes don't have to be yours. And after, after you turn 25, you should be able to listen. Turn to your neighbor and say, listen. You're acting like a teenager. Listen. Listen. Teenagers know it all. They flap their lips. Amen. Anybody that's aged don't know anything. They're not hip until they get older. And then all of a sudden, they thank their mother for the wisdom that she gave. But this is how they should be. You don't throw your sons and your daughters away just because they're having moments of rebellion. They're going to come back home. You just, the ones that want to be rebellious, you let them go with your blessing. You never, ever hold someone with guilt. You give them permission. Go find yourself. I'm going to be right here when you come back. Because you will come back. Are you with me? Amen. Number 20, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you to your next instructor, and that is culture. Are you still with me? Yes. Say amen every now and then. Yes. It's culture. And culture is going to teach us the value of humanity as the multifaceted expression of God. Not everybody's going to look like us, like us. Not everybody's going to worship like us. Not everybody's going to want to worship with us. And a lot of people talk about, well, that's prejudice. It may not be prejudice, it may be preference. People have preferences. And just because someone prefers to be with someone else, it doesn't mean that they're prejudiced. They just prefer. Are you with me? Are you getting this? And so a lot of things that we, we, we repeat in church that has divided the church, I'm praying that people will learn how not to do that. It's fine if, if you want to hang out with the rockers and that's the church you want to go to and somebody else wants to hang out with, you know, a, a more conservative church. Some like it hot, some like it cold, some like it in the pot, nine days old. But we're going to learn because culture is going to show us how to celebrate all the beautiful expressions of God that he's displaying in humanity. And number 21, your mentors, your coaches, your role models teaches you several things. Number one, IQ. Number two, EQ. Number three, CQ. And number four, SQ squared. Write it down. IQ, EQ. You know what IQ is. You know what EQ is. But they're also going to teach you CQ and SQ squared. Write that down. And I'm going to float that as a balloon. Your mentors, your coaches, your role models. It's possible that your pastor can be also, also be your coach. Your pastor could also be your role model. Your pastor could also be your mentor. It depends on what part of his mentor you're going to pull from. 
But it also might mean that you have a pastor, but you also have a mentor, you also have a coach. So it's possible to have several different people. And then your role models are not necessarily people that you have access to. You read about them, you watch their life, they're at a distance. But your mentors, your coaches, and your role models are there, IQ, uh, EQ, CQ, and SQ squared. And then the last two that you will learn from, number one, listening, the last two. And this is number 22. This is your instructors, number 22. Listening will give you perspective. You've got two ears, one mouth, to listen more and talk less. You're gonna learn listening is not the same thing as hearing. You can hear, but are you listening? And so when someone said, do you hear me? Especially, you know, when it comes to kids and teenagers, you hear what I'm saying? Yes, mom, and they have an attitude, but they're not listening. They're already giving you the hand in their mind. But listening gives you perspective. You gotta learn how to listen to uh, people that have different perspectives because it's gonna help you. Number 23 is lifelong learning. Lifelong learning teaches you how to stay on the cutting edge. Listen to me carefully. When you are on the cutting edge, you're gonna get cut. And the cutting edge is going to cut away superfluous things. Things you cannot use in the next season. Things that you gotta give up. Things that you gotta cast away. So when you move to the cutting edge, it simply means that you're gonna be challenged to the next level. And you're gonna keep your brain nice and spongy. And being a lifelong learner is, is about acquiring new knowledge. It's about learning, unlearning, relearning. It's about acquiring new skills. It's about becoming competent. It's about becoming proficient. It's about self-mastery. It's about familiarizing. It's about experiencing. It's about increasing your skill base. It's about understanding. It's about ascertaining. It's about self-actualization. It's about gaining wisdom. And you are going to be a student of lifelong learning. And then number 25, our last instructor, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, is the prophetic. And the prophetic is a teacher that reveals the mind of God. Amos 3, 7 to 8, surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto the servants, the prophet. The lion had roared, who will hear, or who, who will not fear? The Lord God shall speak, who can but prophesy? And I forgot I had 24, and as I was studying, the Holy Spirit gave me the last one, the last, last one. So this is the icing on the cake, number 25. And he gave me this today as I was studying this out during my devotions. He said, Cindy, you forgot one. And I said, what? The five-fold ministry gifts. And the five-fold ministry gifts is there to help you with spiritual maturation. Ephesians 4, 12 to 13. They are given for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We grow up. I want to end with, uh, on this note, and this is a note about your textbooks. In the school called life, you do have recesses. You do have lunch breaks. You do get hall passes, um, legitimate hall passes. 
and you do have laboratories. Life is going to be filled with a lot of laboratories where you get to test uh, your skill, you test your ability, you test yourself. And in laboratory, sometimes things blow up. My life is a laboratory, 80% of what I do blows up. I still got my eyes, I wear my goggles. But the 20% that I get right gave me my success and prosperity. Just imagine if someone stood in front of me when I was 17 years old and gave my heart to the Lord and sat down and said, you have spiritual mothers and fathers, but Cindy, you also have instructors. You have 10,000 instructors, but let me just give you a few. I would have looked at life differently. I remember my darkest, darkest hours. I remember navigating through life and not understanding. If I knew that life gave you the test first and you learned the lesson second, I would have looked at the test so differently. I would have been more eager spiritually to go through any test. If I knew what I knew about rejection, if I knew what I knew, well, I always hung around the age people. At 17, my best friend was 54. I should have been the babysitter, but they were my best friends. But just imagine if someone took you aside when you were 15 and 16 and 17, 18. They began to teach you. They began to talk to you about what's going on between the ages of 13 and 25, that nothing's wrong with you. You're right where you should be. But after 25, if you're still doing that stuff, you've got arrested development. What if they didn't judge you at two and three and four? What if they didn't control all your emotions and made you feel like somehow what you were feeling was wrong? but they showed you how to channel it. What if you didn't get it in your first house, but you came to the second house? They were able to teach you. They were able to give you instructions so that you didn't feel like a victim. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. Maybe I wasn't ready back then, but I'm certainly ready now and I'm mature enough and old enough to look back because I'm in the fourth phase. Not stage, but phase. I'm in the eighth stage. There's only eight stages. But I'm in the eighth stage of spiritual maturation where I have a responsibility to my sons and my daughters. And I want all of my sons and daughters to mature. Not just my sons and daughters, to all of my constituents. I'm in the fourth stage or fourth phase of growth and development. And this is where we're talking about the intellectual, but also the character, not just capacity, but your character. Where now I am mature enough to look back and start connecting dots and give you wisdom. I cannot live your life for you. Because if I stop living mine to live yours, who's going to live mine? 
but I can live mine, I can learn and connect the dots and stand before you as a mother in Zion, as a mother of nations and give you the wisdom and pray that you will be able to sit with it until you internalize it. So as you go through, you'll be able to say, oh, this was an instructor. And I was a horrible student. This was an instructor. And I was in the hall when I should have been in class and this was the instructor. And I played hooky and this was the instructor. And I was a dropout. But just like you have 89 year olds that are going back to school, class is now in session. And so I'm going to give you your textbook. Your textbook is your library. Psalm 119 verse 72 says, this is the message translation. My troubles turned out all for the best. They forced me to learn from your textbook. And so your syllabus and your curriculum is drawn from the institution's library comprised of 66 books, all designed specifically for each student to maximize their potential, to fulfill purpose, to grow holistically, to progress, to succeed, to prosper, and to live as God's representative. Your library is the Bible. The Bible is a collection of writing from different writings at different times and during different epochs of human history. And it's accentuated by the superpower of that day. And in some ways, when you know the context of the writings, it gives it us the ability to approach the Bible differently. Because we have the ability to read it in chunks rather than needing to read the whole Bible. And every book of the Bible was meant for you to read it in one sitting from start to finish so that you have continuity. And so the shortest book in the Bible is 2 John. Everybody should be able to read 2 John. It's the shortest. 3 John is the next shortest. And then you've got uh, Obadiah, that's a short book. Um, Jude is a short book. You can sit down and read it from cover to cover. But the longest book of the Bible is not Psalms, it's not Genesis. The longest book of the Bible, believe it or not, is Jeremiah. It's a long book. But nonetheless, it's meant for you to read it in one setting. And so I want to charge you, when you go home tonight, when you leave your life groups, I want you to take the shortest book. It could be 3 John, 2 John, Obadiah, could be Jews. Read it in one setting and extrapolate the lessons from there. Then I want you to tackle Jeremiah in a week. Read the whole book of Jeremiah. These books are written by brilliant people, not so that we could stand back and admire all these great people in the Bible because the age that they live in was modern for them. In another 10 years, they're going to look back at, at this year and say that we were ancient. But we're living in modern days, what we call modern. And each book means something. 
So as you walk out of here, I present to you your library. Genesis, the book of beginning and conceptions. The book of new beginnings. And the book of beginning again. If you want to know how to begin again, if you are beginning something, read Genesis. It's going to talk to you about the struggles and triumphs and failures. This book, if you were looking at it, is a book of the wombs, the birthing out, something that is being incubated. When you go to the book of Exodus, you have the birthing out of a nation. And Exodus is a book, Genesis is a book of conception. Exodus is a book of incubation and birthing out. So you see a whole nation being incubated and then you see them birthed out or delivered. So this is a book that you're going to study on. How do I come out of bondage? How do I overcome restrictions and limitations? How do I leave my past behind? How do I get rid of habits that are enslaving me? Leviticus is a, a book of toddlership. What do I do when I'm a toddler in the things of the Lord? It talks to you about worshiping and why worshiping is important. It's a book that gives you instructions traditionally written by Moses. Numbers is a book about spiritual adolescence, book of number. Israel fails to trust God. They start wondering, doing their own thing. They're hard-headed. They're not listening to God as their father. So this is Numbers. If you want to know what to do with your teenagers, read the book of Numbers. Deuteronomy is Moses giving instructions. It, it means the second law, and it recaps the laws of Exodus and Numbers and how to obey God. Joshua is the book of maturation. They're maturing now. They're an army. They're going in to possess their possession. This is how you possess your possession how you conquer your enemies. Then Judges is about breaking cycles because you see just the cycles. They turn to God and they fall away into captivity and then they cry out and then they turn to God again and then they're oppressed and captive again. And it's about really how do, how do I break the cycles? Ruth is about how do I survive loss? And how do I bounce back? First Samuel uh, is about kingship and understanding what it takes to be a king. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. And if we look at kingship as leadership, it's one and the same thing. That's first Samuel, second Samuel is about the replacement. What happens if by default someone is moved out of position and you're moved in? How, how should you operate? This is in the workplace. What should you do? You shouldn't, you shouldn't do the same thing the previous did. If you're going into ministry and say you're, you're the um, first fruit out of the womb of a ministry, you're able to stand back and, and look and you're, you're, you're able to say, this is what I learned. I'm not going to repeat this. You don't judge, but you just don't repeat. And, and, and this is what I need to bolster in. But David compromised in a lot of ways because he didn't have true spiritual, a true spiritual father. He just wanted a father, a father, a father. 
And here's this leader who had never led a nation before, made all kinds of mistakes, but yet he maintained honor and respect for a previous generation. This generation has lost their ability to honor. We, 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 we don't honor uh, God, we don't honor our leaders, we don't even honor our parents. If, 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 if you do not honor the parents in your first house, you will never honor the parents in your second house. We've lost their ability to honor. So this, this, this is a book on what it means to honor. Do you have, have, do you have a little more juice? You have a, just a little more juice? Can I just give you a little bit more? Are you listening or what's happening there? All right, all right. I know it's 66 books, but I'm gonna finish here. First Kings, First Kings, it's 66 books. I'm only on First Kings, so I'm gonna do it really fast. First Kings is about kingdom life. It's about living with peace and prosperity. You see King Solomon, and then you see the kingdom splitting. It's, it's a fantastic book. And what, what to do with your spiritual sons and daughters so that they have succession without causing a church split. Uh, First Kings is about uh, Solomon. Second Kings is about uh, both kingdoms and both of them are ignoring God until they fell into captivity and they lost ground. How to keep from losing ground? Uh, one of the kingdoms listened to the elders, the other was split into two, the northern and the southern. One listened to the elders, the others listened to their peers. Don't listen to your peers. Don't, don't ever allow someone to give you instructions if they're not walking it out themselves. You know, I don't take instructions from someone that lives in the realm of thousands if I'm trying to make millions. You're an expert there. You're not an expert there. I'm looking for a millionaire. Are you with me? So I'm not going, if I'm a jeweler, I'm not going to hang out with haberdashers. And if I'm a haberdasher, I'm not going to hang out with shoe repair people. I mean, you could be my friend, but you can't tell me how to run, you know, a jewelry store. I'm looking for people that, you know, know about jewelry. You gonna talk to me about leather. Well, if I were you, I'll make leather bracelets and leather chains. Well, I don't want leather. I want, you know, gold and, well, don't listen, Dan. You're a know-it-all. No, uh, <laughs> you know it all about shoes, but I'm not in the shoe business. Are you with me? First Chronicles is, is it gives you just this amazing brief history of um, from Adam to David. Then it culminates David commissioning the temple. Um, to be built is, is commissioning. And then Second Chronicles, I love it. It's about uh, David's son who's building the temple. You know, how do you build a country? How do you, uh, we talk about nation building. You could study Second Chronicles. This is how you build a nation. This is how you build community. And then Ezra is about rebuilding the temple. What if you have a church split? What, what, what if your spiritual life goes south? How do you rebuild again? That's Ezra. Nehemiah, I love Nehemiah. Um, how do you quantum leap the promises of God? What a nation could not do in 70 years, he did it in 52 days. That's my boy, Nehemiah. And then turn to your neighbor and say, mind your own business. Oh yes, that's what Nehemiah did. He said, you don't have no part in this. 
to Sembalat and Tobiah. We, when we're in the building stage, we let too many people into the inner circle. You, you, you gotta be careful with your inner circle. Before you know it, they're destroying it. And you know, people hate when you start building and rebuilding your life. They hate it. They love when your life is messed up because they can pray about it and they can act and pray like God Jr. But when you get your life together, people are going to be angry with you. When your ministries blossom and when, when you're impacting culture and you're writing new sound, they don't like that. They like when you're dependent. And then Esther, Esther is about someone that, that looked at genocide that was being plotted against an entire nation to cause them to be extinct. And she didn't even know how powerful she was, but she trusted the prophetic voice in her life. Job is about how to bounce back after an economic setback. The worst thing you need is friends that believe that they heard from God. Why, why would God speak through your friend to you when you talk to God every day? You need to stop idolizing your friends and take them from off of the throne. Psalm, uh, Psalms is, is a book of songs. Uh, Proverbs, you know, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Ecclesiastes is a book of philosophies. So if you are philosophical, you should hang out in Ecclesiastes. Is, is, is bad to the bone. He talks about the meaning of life. He's so philosophical about it, but, but he's, so, he's got this nihilistic tone, all his vanity and vexation of spirit. Well, that's fine because you're wealthy. You can't, after you're wealthy and lived it up and drank and did whatever you can, you can't just say, well, don't go after money. You went after money. But you need to tell a person that you're swimming in the sea, an ocean with sharks, and how to swim with sharks without being eaten alive. That should be the teaching. Song of Solomon is love. Those of you that are married, it's about love, desire. It's, it's just beautiful. Isaiah is about um, uh, warnings, about future judgments. Uh, Jeremiah, I love Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah is, is prophesying about the Babylonian the Babylonian uh, captivity. But he says this, Jeremiah, and you know the verse, the thoughts I think towards you, what is that? Jeremiah 29. But that's the only thing we know about Jeremiah. But we don't recognize that he's prophesying captivities, but he's also giving them instruction. He said, when you're captive, there's going to be a statue of limitation and you're only going to be captive for 70 years. During those 70 years, prepare. Go ahead and marry. Go ahead and make babies. Build your houses. But make certain that you prepare for the statue of limitation. When you are going through, it's only for a period. When you're in between blessings, you need to get seed in the ground, seed in the ground, seed in the ground. Because when you come out, you're going to have bumper crop, bumper crop, bumper crop. That's the kind of advice that he was given. Lamentations is about lamentation. Ezekiel, I love Ezekiel. Ezekiel speaks in uh, visions. So if you want to learn how to interpret visions, go hang out with Ezekiel. Daniel is about what it takes to survive in an anti-God, anti-Christ world. 
this boy is bad. He said, your belief about God has nothing to do with my belief about God. I believe God. And you can persecute me if you want, but I am proof. I like him. I am the testimony that God is alive. Throw me in the lion's den. I'm coming out. Throw me in the fiery furnace. I'm coming out. And when I come out, I'm going to come out with more than what I went in with. When you come out of this, you're coming out with more. Hosea. <laughs> Hosea was a prophetic actor. If, if, if there was such a thing as a, a, um, theater, that would be Hosea. So, you know, yes, he's marrying this, this uh, prostitute uh, as a spiritual demonstration that Israel was um, prostituting, basically. And so Hosea is a great book. Joel is about plagues and it's about locusts and it's about judgment, but it's also about how God is going to restore. It's about restoration. Amos is about a shepherd. And I love, I love this. He preaches about uh, the injustices in the kingdom. He was like a social reformist. He was like um, a social activist. He was a cultural agent of change, Obadiah is about um, Edom and what happens to Jerusalem when they were plundered. Jonah is about what happens when you disobey. Micah is about leadership. Nahum is about um, uh, the foretelling of, of, of the judgment of Nineveh. So he's telling about this judgment. Habakkuk or Habakkuk is about the violence. This one, uh, uh, the violence in Judah and um, how th this one man was surprised that God just pulls the, the curtain back and he sees God's thumbprint. So this book teaches you about the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God. Uh, Zephaniah is a book of warning. Haggai uh, is about uh, encouraging people, don't abandon the work of God. And there's a book of, so many people abandon the work of God, but keep your hands to the plow and don't, don't abandon, don't, don't just cast away your assignment. All of us know who we are assigned. When, when I, 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 when I got saved, I, I got saved in Bermuda and I was assigned to a bishop and his personality was, um, he was choleric to say the least. And so a lot of people had resentment because he was just, and he was apostolic. He was in your face. He told the truth. He didn't care what you felt. You know, he was just, just, just like that. But he was the person that God assigned me to. And when some of my colleagues used to whisper, we're leaving. If you leave, we're going to leave. Well, just because you have no fence don't mean I have no fence. Little foxes spoil the vines. If I had left, I would have undermined my global influence. It's not about personality. Suppose I listen to these people. I, I, I mean, you know, I don't know what he did to you. He didn't do anything to me. Yes, he's a hard taskmaster, but today I am grateful that he had the personality because I'm a born leader. I lead from the back, I lead from the side. I'm a born leader. 
And this man had the right personality for someone that has a strong uh, constitution like I do. I've been taking care of myself since I was eight. I had to tell him, I've been taking care of myself since I'm eight. I've been paying my bills, blah, 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 blah. He said, who cares, you know? And, and he was, he, he never let me, I was one of the few in the entire congregation that he never let me get away with anything. Other people got away with it. But when it came to me, he raised the bar so high. And I'm a high performer. I'm a high flyer. I don't need supervision. But the little things, the little things, he would rebuke me openly. And then whisper, Cindy, you know you're gonna have to take this service. You're the only one with the anointing that could take the service. And he relied on my gifts and skills. And had great influence. And I was put in leadership with people that were 50 and 60. I was put in the leadership at the age of 22. And I could handle my stuff, honey. Robert's Rules of Order. I could handle. I introduced so much to that denomination. Minutes, strategy. I introduced so much. But when I was 22, his job was to break my spirit. And break it, he did. But when God put the pieces back together, and when he put me on a global stage, my back was straight, and my knees were not buckling. Because had he not raised the standard and identified areas of weakness, I grew up without a father. So there were wiring parts that were not wired in my brain. When, you're, when you grow up as a fa fatherless child, there are parts in your brain that's not wired. And they had to be rewired. Not just submitting in the horizontal level, but to submit vertically. And had he not, had I not submitted 100%, I thank God for him every day. Others didn't get it, but I got it. When you are called to a leader, others may get it, but it's none of their business. It's about what you lose in the future. And a lot of people are sitting with potential, but nobody said, look, I'm gonna raise the bar. And I was open, I didn't even care. I was so open to him, there was never a day I shut down. And I always honored him and respected him because God sent me there. I didn't go there myself. God sent me, and when he sent me, he gave me an assignment. I am calling you to hold this man of God's arms up. Until his deathbed, I held his arms up. By then, I had my own congregation, I had a, a ministry. When he was ill, and when the church was splitting, he said, call Cindy. And I got him straight. Because I don't bite my tongue when it comes to the things of the Lord. What you're not going to do, you are not going to disrespect this man of God. You will not do it. As long as I'm alive, that's what you're not going to do it. And you know I'm not afraid of anybody. Because I ain't wired that way. Didn't get the wiring. 
Right is right. Wrong is wrong. And you're going to honor the house of God. You're going to respect the things of God. We're going to raise the standard. Because that's my role in your life. My role is to be the accountability mechanism. When I see you and you have the ability to perform here, but you're performing here, I'm the right person, honey. I'm the right person. And if I give you my time, the most precious thing that I have, you're going to honor that. Because nobody has come to rescue you. Nobody. But that's what I'm here. I'm here to serve you. It's not about you serving me. It's about me serving you. I want your life to work. You don't have to find out when you're 60 and 70 and retired. I should have did this and should have did that. You don't have to live with regret. Your days of living with regret are over. You are building the equity. If you are under 40 in this house, you are building the equity in your personal brand. You're going to need it after 40. You're going to need it. And when God raises the standard of ethics and morals, it's not about a, a killjoy and removing, listen, let everybody else compromise, but you don't compromise. God said, I'm going to protect you like a mother hand. Other people can, but you cannot not. And as long as I'm in your life, I'm not going to let you. I can't live your life for you. You have the right to do whatever. But if I could raise a standard for you, if I could say, look, you could do better. Here's what you could do. This is who you could be. There's not a lot of people that have excellence. Everybody operates in mediocrity. All you have to do, do everything you do, every assignment with excellence. And excellence will announce your coming into realms of influence, leadership, wealth, and abundance. Excellence will do it for you. And do it in the secret. I have people, a few people that write books and they ask me, would you autograph, uh, would you um, forward? I don't let anybody, any book that I forward, I send them back. Why? Because you're competing every day. About 23 to 25,000 books are being poured into the marketplace. That's every single day. And you're just going to write an inferior book. Nobody's going to read it. Your mother, your friend who feels sorry for you, and they're going to put it in their library. They're not going to read it. So what I do is I tell the truth. I can do it. I think you're good. But you're going to have to fix this. You're going to have to fix that. You're going to have to fix the other. Just challenging you. Think above. Forget about everybody around you. They love mediocrity. But that's not you. You're coming out of the clutter of the common folk. And you're coming out. Let me keep going. I'm almost finished. Hey, uh, guy. Is, is about not, don't abandon an assignment that God is giving you because you're frustrated, because you don't, people don't like you. You're not there to be liked. I see people, pray for me. The people in my workplace don't like me. I, I, send me your job description. I don't see anywhere in here that says, you're not there to be liked. What's up with you? You got friends and family to do that. 
You're not there for a beauty contest. They don't like how I dress. They're talking about my hair. Give them something to talk about. Haggai, Zechariah, is is, uh, uh, just a call, come back to God. Malachi is about consecration. Just doing things right. Matthew, the king and his kingdom. Mark, uh, 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 servant leadership. If you want to know anything about leadership, hang out with Mark. Luke is about kingdom economics, biblical finance. Gospel of John is about uh, relationships. Acts uh, is, is about the proof that Jesus lived. Romans is, is a summarization of, of the gospel of Jesus and the letters that are written to the churches in Rome. First Corinthians is about a fractured church that was immature and is addressing their levels of immaturity. Second Corinthians is Paul's defense because he fathered a new church and then they, got, they, you know, their chest was stuck out and they started disrespecting him and telling him, oh, you're only writing letters because you're a coward. And he just clears up a lot of concerns. He brings a lot of reconciliation into the church. And he said, if you think I'm a coward, wait till I get there. That's him, because he's an apostle. He said, I, I'm not afraid. And then Galatians, we know about Galatians. Um, it's about salvation. Um, it's about being delivered from the laws of Moses. It's just beautiful. Ephesians is about the church and how to walk in grace and uh, reconciliation with God and love and peace. Philippians is the, uh, Paul writing to the church at Philippi. It's a letter of encouragement. If you need encouragement, read Philippians. Colossians is about um, your walk with God. That First Thessalonians is... Um, uh, it's encouragement because he was just giving them like hope and faith and, and love and, and just telling them, you're doing an excellent job, excel some more. Just go beyond what you're doing. Second Thessalonians is about how to stand firm. Uh, First Timothy and Second Timothy is um, Paul talking to his protege, how to leave church. He was young. He was a millennial. And the elders were giving him a hard time, so we ended up with an um, ulcer. And he was just encouraging him, look, you know, yeah, they may be judging your message, but they can't judge your life. And he was encouraging him to preach the word in season, be instant, you know. And it was telling him, look, I, I know that some of the elders are hard to get along with, but don't rebuke an elder. Talk to the women and, you know, just giving him instructions as a pastor. Titus is... Um, a book about, you know, if you're living in the kingdom, the kingdom has its culture, the world has its culture, and this is how you live, counterculture. Uh, Philemon is a recommendation. Uh, here was this runaway slave, and Paul was showing his compassion, and he said, look, take him back, just take him back. So it's about love. And then Hebrews is, again, encouragement to the church, um, a lot of them were being persecuted and, um, you know, it talks about Jesus being greater than, this is the book of Hebrews. James is, is, is a letter about faith and um, he puts faith out there and he says, well, you know, look, if you lack wisdom, you can ask from God, but uh, you have faith, but this is not wisdom. This wisdom doesn't come from God. 
And this is how you know you got wisdom. And then he talks about demonstrating your faith through wisdom. First Peter is written to um, Christians that were being uh, persecuted, basically, and is a letter of encouragement. Second Peter is about the truth about Jesus. And it's, it's warning, too. It's, there, it's warning them about false doctrine and false teachers and be, be careful. First John is written by John, first, second, and third John, and Revelation is right, written by John. And these are just letters that he writes to church. And he encouraged them, you know, make sure that your love is not going, going cold. And this is how you, you know someone is walking in the love of God, that they love the brethren. And um, second, second John is about walking in truth. Third John is just about fellowship, Christian fellowship. Third John. And Jude is a letter of encouragement, again, building up the believer um, and making sure that they're living a, a godly life as opposed to an ungodly, ungodliness because he noticed that they were once very, very godly, but then this, this ungodliness started to, crap, to creep in and they became sort of um, relaxed. So they had this standard, then they don't have a standard and they're relaxing now. It don't take all of that. And he's just encouraging them, look, it does take all of that. And then Revelation, I love Revelation, is a book about John seeing the unfolding of future world history straight up until the marriage supper of, of the Lamb from God's perspective. And uh, that's your library. And um, I've introduced you to your instructors. I've introduced you to your syllabus. I've introduced you to your library. I've introduced you to the provost, the president, the board of regents. Um, I've introduced you to uh, your principal. I told you that you do have lab time. You do get hall passes. Your hall passes are for transition. Not for you to hang out, it's just for transition. You do get recesses, times of respite. Your Sunday service or your midweek service is your recess. Then you gotta go back out and you gotta attend class again. And do you, you do get lunch breaks. Those moments where God will come back by. He will give you a revelation that's so yummy and you would digest it and you wanna share it with everyone. And he could do it every day. Welcome to a school called life. Life is a beautiful thing. Life is where it, it's at. Because Jesus came that you may have life, that you may have it more abundantly. In the lessons to follow, each lesson is going to be shorter. They're gonna be nice and bite-sized pieces. Some are gonna be broken up into two, two and three because I really want you to digest, not to just hammer, 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 and overwhelm you with the revelation. But we're gonna go through each one of those 25 instructors and show you how to benefit and how to go through life and how to succeed. When the student is ready, the teacher appears, and brothers and sisters, class is now in session. Our Father and our God, we give you praise and honor and glory, and we thank you for each individual that is here. 
We're going out in life and you're not going to leave us without instructors, without tutors, without governors. Help us to identify where we are. Some of us are in the academy where we're learning protocol. Some of us are in the school of the spirit. Some of us are in university. Whatever level we are in, make us the best students. You are Jesus, the Christ. And Nicodemus said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. Jesus, you are the master teacher. And like the disciples sitting at your feet, we sit at your feet to learn. I call you blessed. I call you successful. I decree you will not drop out of the process because the test is hard. You have yet to learn your lesson. So when you walk out of here, you walk out of here with your first certificate, with a smiley face, pass your first test, and that is to attend assembly. Now unto him who is able to do the exceeding abundantly, above all you can ask or think, it's according to the power that works in you. Let the church say amen. Did you get something out of this? You have gifts. God expects you to use them. If you need training to school your gift, log on to schoolofthespirit.tv. You'll find training in spiritual warfare, prophetic ministry, prayer, seers ministry, writing, and so much more. Go to schoolofthespirit.tv today. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.